0: Thanks for joining us at Faith. We hope the message you're about to hear encourages your day and draws you closer to Jesus. If you'd like to join us for service or find out more about the church, visit faith.church. That's faith.church. Hey, can we give everyone joining us online a hand and just say we love you? Welcome. We're all a big family today. Listen, really excited as we're journeying towards Easter morning, which is going to be resurrection day for us and really excited for what God has been doing on this journey and, and through the series in our personal lives. It's been really powerful and what he has been doing in us as a church. But before I get to the message today, I, you know, there's, there's um, some real attributes of the nature of God and that God loves to bless His people. And so because he blesses us, because we become a part of his family, we're marked by him. We're marked by part of his character. We're marked by who he is. And since God is a God that blesses, once he calls us and says, hey, you're my child, he then marks us to be a blessing to others, amen? So it, we're to be conduits of God's blessing. And so I'm super excited that this afternoon on the, um, on the east side of Ward Road, we're going to be doing a food distribution for our community, for those who are in need, for those who have needs, for those who know people in need, that you can pick up some food and take it to them. This is such, gonna be such a tremendous day because God's really blessed us. Not only do those who come out get a box of food, like in the Easter box that you all put together, which is so awesome, I think we have about a thousand boxes that you guys put together, which is super great, to be a blessing to people around Easter time. Also, we have two food trucks out there that are going to be giving dairy and meat and some produce. And so, listen, come get a box and either be blessed by it or go bless somebody with it, all right? Now, that's going to be going from two to four until it runs out, and it'll probably go quick. So, just let me just encourage you be a blessing to someone, pick a box up and bless them, or come and just let us bless you in the name of Jesus. We want Jesus to use us to bless our community, for our community to be like, I love that church because. They love me, Amen. That's what we want, and we want to bring all glory and all all honor to Jesus. So that's going on. Also, this this Good Friday is going to be such a powerful time. You you really don't want to miss it. God's really given um, a a direction for that service. That it's going to be very unique. It's going to be very powerful. And I just want to encourage you. You know, Easter. Yes, it's a time for us as families, like individual families, or, or 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 just maybe friend groups. But Easter is a season that that we are very aware that while we were enemies of God, he died for us. And because of that, we want to share that message of the gospel to other people. Let me just encourage you to invite folks to our Easter services. This Good Friday service is gonna be so, so special. The Lord's gonna meet us in a really fresh way and I'll share a little bit more about that, but also we have our Easter services that are coming up and our nine and 11 services on on resurrection Sunday, Easter day, it's gonna be a great time. But as we have been working and walking this journey with God, he's been meeting us in fresh new ways. We've been looking at the Easter story or Easter journey from from a different perspective. Actually, you can't understand Easter if you, really, if you don't understand Passover because really Easter is just, it's a, it was a, it's a name that's been used over time. But really, it, Easter time is about Passover, which yesterday was Passover. And it's just such a special time for us to understand the real heart of God. To understand that, that weeks ago and today, my message is to prepare us for Friday. God wants to move through this today through his word today but it's also to prepare our hearts for what he wants to do in our hearts on Friday because three weeks ago we began our journey back in the garden. I don't know if you remember in the garden of Eden that God created Adam and Eve and to have a purpose to have authority to take care of what God had given them to take care of. And what he gave them represents what he wanted for every one of us in mankind. All human beings were created with the intent to walk in the same calling and purpose as Adam and Eve. But because the enemy of God, who is Satan, who hates everything that God wants to be a blessing to us, who detests and despises everything that God loves, he tempted, he seduced Adam and Eve into falling, into sinning. To eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what that means is they were innocent and then they ate of the tree that the one tree God said, don't eat of, they ate of. And they became aware of good and evil. They lost their innocence and they rebelled and disobeyed God and sinned. And that's called the fall of man. But that sin, like a horrific, horrible just disease began to make its way into the world. It eroded. It degraded everything that God wanted for you and for me and for mankind. It, it, it corrupted relationships. Right out of the gate, Adam and Eve started blaming each other. Started, oh, it's your fault and your fault and we see that, we still see the, the nature of that sin in our own relationships today and husband and wife or, or, or fiance and, and boyfriend and guy. Gra- it's it just, it, it's your fault. And your, we blame and deflect. Why sin? We see the, the nature of, and the corrupt nature of sin in our, in our work and what we do in childbirth and it robbed purity and innocence. That nature of sin has worked its way into our sexuality, and our marriages, and our physical bodies, and our emotions, and in our minds. And because also, you need to understand, mankind was given the authority by God to take care of the earth, to take care of creation. That's, they were the guardians of it. Because they fell, sin then had access to the earth. And it began to corrupt. And it began to change earth itself. It began to produce thorns that weren't there and storms that didn't exist. And it is because of sin. And so with one decision, Adam and Eve forfeited everything that God had for them. Not just for them, but forfeited what God had for them for every human being on the face of the planet. And they thought, to give that up. They thought their human independence from God was better. And they quickly realized it's not. I think all of us know that today, that when we think, you know what, true independence is doing what I want, and then you do what you want, and then you realize that puts you in slavery. They traded their freedom in God, truly, for the slavery to sin. That's why the scripture calls that every human being that is born is born as a slave to sin. You think you're free, but you're a slave. The truth is you cannot have both. You can't have independence from God and freedom of God while being free. You cannot be free. Independent from God and have true freedom. The enemy wants you to think that, but it doesn't happen. It's the, it's the greatest lie that Satan still gives today. He says, and he says, and, not, and which is also the spirit of the world. So hear me for a second. The spirit of the world, those who don't know God, the, the spirit and teaching and the, everything about the world tells you you can gain your real freedom by being independent from God. That's really what freedom is. Real freedom is that you do what you want, do what you feel, that's real freedom. But I think any of us, if we were to return our, our minds back to those moments that we did what we wanted, we realized we actually were slaves and it corrupted our nature and our lives. But the most tragic of the fall of man was the loss of the relationship between man and God. And I I, I wanna recap today, and the purpose of this is to lead us to where we are, what we're gonna talk about today in just a moment. But that relationship was broken. There was a chasm, and that was sin. And it wasn't because God put the chasm there, it was because sin put the chasm there. Man chose to step away from God. But you begin to see, even, even in the heart of God, in the moment of rebellion, that Adam and Eve said, God, I reject you. You begin to see the heart of God for them and for you. Sin had made its way into their lives. We are all born with sin, corrupted by it in our own beings, the destructive impact of sin. But in God's heart, just just on the other side of of them rejecting him, you see him putting a plan together to restore what was lost to restore that relationship with mankind, to restore and break the chains of slavery that are on every person's life, the slavery of sin. And so God says to Satan, who deceived Adam and Eve in the garden, he says this, he says, from the seed or the line of the woman, from the line of the woman, the seed of the woman that you deceived, that you tricked, eventually will come one who will What Genesis 3.15, this is the first prophecy of the Bible that he, meaning Jesus, will crush your head and you, Satan, will strike his heel. So you're going to strike at him, but he's going to crush you. That's what Easter is about. That's what Passover is all about. This fulfillment of prophecy. So in order to put this plan into place, God chooses a man named uh, Abraham and a wife. He has a wife named Sarah. And he says, I'm going to bring this person, the he, through your line. So he he chose Abraham and Sarah, not because of Abraham and Sarah. He chose Abraham and Sarah because he had a plan to redeem your life, your family's life, to break you free from the slavery of sin. And it is this, he, Jesus, he had a plan for you. So he sets that plan into motion. And from the line of Abraham and Sarah, as we heard about a couple weeks ago, it's this interesting turn of events. This, as they begin to multiply, as they begin to grow through the line of Abraham and Sarah that God promised that he would do for the purpose of bringing forth Jesus. They found themselves in slavery in Egypt. And these were God's people. And so they found themselves in a place of slavery. But the problem is you don't mess with God's people. Because he has a purpose and again it wasn't about those people it was about they were God's people because he was bringing forth the he which is Jesus to crush the power of sin over your life and to crush Satan himself to eventually to bind him and to throw him into hell as hell's created for Satan just so you're aware. Hell is not a place that Satan sets up and, ha ha, I'm torturing you. No, no, no. Hell is made by God to throw Satan there in his return when God judges him and then it's over. That's his place. So important we understand that. But he will be crushed. His head will be crushed by Jesus through the bloodline of Abraham. So they find themselves enslaved 430 years they're slaves and so God working his plan to bring forth the he decides it's time for them to be free it's time for me to do something in their lives that are that's going to point to the greater reality which is coming in the future and so they were enslaved and God rose up Moses as we, as we heard and as a mouthpiece for him and he went to Pharaoh because they were enslaved to the Pharaoh of Egypt. And Moses said, you need to let God's people go. Pharaoh said, no, he stiffened, he stiffened his will and he hardened his, his heart. And there's a line in there that says that God hardened Pharaoh's heart. And when you read that, you go, well, that's not fair that God hardened his heart. No, 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 you need to understand that the, the same sun that melts the butter also hardens the clay. When, God, when Pharaoh had an opportunity to respond to God, he chose not to, which then caused him to his heart to be hardened by God. And so God tells Moses, listen, tell him to let my people go. He tells him, he says no. And so we begin the plagues to convince Pharaoh You better let these people go or it's going to get worse. And he resists and resists and resists. The place got worse and worse and worse and worse and worse. Then we came to the last plague. And this plague was that judgment was coming to Egypt. And judgment was going to come. And this is the crazy thing about the whole judgment. It's going to come and when judgment comes, the firstborn son of every house is going to die. But God told his people, this is what I want you to do. I want, you to, to, I want you to eat this certain meal, and I want you to get a lamb, and I want you to kill the lamb, and I want you to take, take the blood of that lamb, and I want you to put it on the doorposts of your homes. And when judgment comes, judgment will see the blood applied to the home, and judgment will pass over your home. And so, from that moment, from Egypt, after they did what God told them to do, judgment came passed over, Pharaoh's house was devastated, he had lost his firstborn son, Pharaoh said, fine, go. So he let God's people go. And they were instructed from that moment every year to remember that meal that's called pass over because judgment passed over. And in that meal, they, they always would, would, would read these four promises out of Exodus chapter six. And we have them today that they are still Jews are still doing and reading these promises and this is what the promises are I will bring you out from underneath the burden of the Egyptians which is salvation set you apart it's called the cup of sanctification the second promise is I will free you from being slaves to them which is the cup of deliverance they 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 were out of Egypt but their minds were still there so they were out of Egypt but Egypt was still in them and so this is about how they thought, how they process. is about God delivering us from our sinful nature. And then we come to the third cup, which is the one we're looking at today. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, which is a cup of redemption. And then we have the fourth one. I will take you as my own people. These weren't just statements for them. This was statements leading back to the Garden of Eden, leading back to... How, how are they going to accomplish these statements in the big picture of what God's saying from, from the Garden of Eden? How is the he in Genesis 3 going to do this? And that's the journey that we've been on through Easter. They were statements. These are statements that's telling you what God wants for your life telling you what God wants present and moving in you and through your life. It's these statements, these promises that are for you. He has salvation for you. He has deliverance that to keep you from returning to those old natures, those old things that you ask God to deliver you from. And all of a sudden you find yourself returning to them in your journey with God. Why? Because you need to be delivered from the mindset of a slave to sin. You're no longer a slave to sin. You have a new mind in Christ. That's what Jesus came to do. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. This is where we are today. This is such a beautiful picture. And so since every year the Jewish people have honored Passover and had Passover meal and read these promises, we know that the children of Israel left Egypt and they wandered in the desert for a bit and then they ended up in the promised land that's called Israel today. And that's, they are called the Jews. And we know that that is the bloodline of Abraham and Sarah, the promised one who would crush the head of Satan would come through that bloodline. And so, we find Jesus. Jesus, who would honor the Passover because he was a Jew and would remember because he was, he was sent by God. And every, ever since the year of their deliverance, they would remember the Passover. They would remember those events. But one night, everything changed. Everything changed one night in Israel with the Jewish people. And the night before Jesus was crucified, he was having Passover with his disciples. And he said this, for for now on, I know we've been, every time we've done this, that we're remembering Egypt, remembering deliverance. He says, for now on, he says this, do this, have Passover in remembrance of me. So he's saying, Passover is saying something about what he has made available for all of us. You see this, the season of Passover and, and, and Easter, it's actually, it's about you. It's all actually about what God makes available to you through his son, Jesus. It's about understanding that God wants these four promises in your life, active in your life. And the life and the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus is what has made these four things available to you in your life. Most people stop at the first promise. They get saved and then they live with a mindset of a slave their whole lives. They don't taste the cup of redemption. But God wants that in your life. This is a season For us as God's people, listen, we are living in a season and a time in the kingdom of God that I don't believe we've ever been in such a a, a turmoil. We've We've never been in such a demonic realm turmoil that we are right now. And God is calling his people to rise up and to be the warriors and the ones that charge the gates of hell that he called us to be in the first place. And I believe that we are in one of the greatest seasons of all time for the kingdom of God. Because he's calling us to go all in. He's calling us to give him everything. He's calling us to be the lights and the salt. He's calling us to be his his people in a dark land. And that excites me, but I think there's something special about this Easter season. And so for us, we are to take a look at these four promises and ask the question, am I walking in these promises? Am I, am I walking in them? Am I, yes I'm saved so I don't really care about what I do with my life and so we just return to sin and we just return to immorality and we return to whatever we want. Is, listen, that is, you can, listen, if Satan can't keep you from getting saved, he will keep you from actually being the difference and world changer that you actually are called to be. And so he'll lock you in that slave mentality. But we are in a season that God is asking us to evaluate. Lord, do I need to be set free from slave thinking? We're looking at a season that I believe God wants this first cup of sanctification to be massively poured out on the earth. So there is a huge and large harvest of souls and the lost that are longing for the people of God to stand up and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ to them. I believe that that's what God wants. And I believe we, we are also stepping into this third promise that God wants you. To receive. And this isn't for you to earn. This is for you to actually receive because it's already been earned by Jesus. And that's what I want to look at today. So how did Jesus make this third promise available to you? I want you to imagine with me that the night before Jesus went to the cross, Jesus gathered his disciples. He was having Passover with them. And so the first promise is about them being taken out of Egypt. This is, I set you apart. And so he reads it and he drinks the cup of wine. Because every time they read a promise, they would drink a cup of wine. They were small cups, so don't worry. <laughs> the second promise, I set you free from being a slave. The mindset of slavery. They, then they drank the second cup. Now at this point, out of the first cup and the second cup, the first promise and the second promise, they have eaten the meal that the scripture lays out. They've eaten the bitter herbs. Why? Well, it was to remind them of the bitterness of slavery. So they're to eat it and remember, man, that was not good. So they've eaten, they've remembered, and then this third cup. I will redeem you with an outstretched arm. This is the cup of redemption. Actually, this is the cup that Paul calls in Corinthians the cup that Jesus used to institute the Lord's Supper, which we call communion, which we're going to be taking on Good Friday. This is where everything changed. And so after they had had the meal, Luke twenty-two twenty 20 says, he also took the cup after supper. So they had already had the meal. This is the third cup, taking the cup after supper and he started to say something. So Jesus takes the cup, the redeeming cup of God's promise and he begins to say, this is my blood. Now for, for 1400 years, the Jewish people had not remembered the blood of Jesus. They'd remembered the blood of the lamb that had been placed on the doorpost of their homes. Now, I'm sure Jesus would have had Passover before with his disciples. He had never said this before. They never heard this before. Up to this point, the third cup is to remember redemption, to remember God's protection from them from Egypt up to, the, up to Mount Sinai. It's to remember the blood of the Lamb in Egypt, how it allowed judgment to pass over their home and their life. This isn't, the third cup is not about remembering anything but that lamb back in Egypt, but not tonight. Jesus says, hang on a second. This third cup is actually not about the ancient lamb. Jesus said, this represents my blood. Now, wait wait, wait a minute. No, that's always represented lambs, but no, nope, this is my blood. So imagine the disciples who their whole lives remembered the blood that spared the Jewish people from God's holy judgment for the night that it came to Egypt, the blood of the slain perfect. Now listen, the slain perfect male lamb that was required by God to be slain and the the blood to be placed on the doorpost of the house. That judgment would pass over. Interesting thought, I want you to catch this for a moment. The mark of blood on the house wasn't a mark that judgment had not, was just a Passover. It was actually the blood was the mark that judgment had already come to the house. The lamb had been judged and killed. Therefore, judgment had been already at the house. So the blood of the lamb had to come from a lamb that was killed. So that judgment would pass over the homes. Hear me today. Now listen to me. Israel was not excused from the judgment of God that came to Egypt because of their bloodline to Abraham. I'm going to say that again. Israel was not excused from the judgment of God that came to Egypt because of the bloodline back to Abraham. They were found excused by God's judgment because of the applied blood of the lamb to their homes. The lamb had to die so their household could live. There had to be a substitute. What was God doing? He was pointing to a greater substitute that would come which is Jesus. But it was the blood of the lamb that allowed judgment to pass over, not the bloodline of Abraham. And so Jesus holds the cup and he says this third cup, he says this cup is the new covenant. Everybody say new. It's the new covenant. In other words, never heard of it before. But it's just not a new covenant. He said, a new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. So here he is. He's at the Passover. He's looking at his disciples. They never heard this before. The third cup. This is the cup of the new covenant that's shed, Peter, for you. Matthew, for you. Judas, for you. Jesus is looking them in the eye. I mean, they, they followed this man for three years. They've seen miracles. They've, they, they've seen him heal the sick. I mean, six days ago, he just rode into Jerusalem as a triumphal entry. And they were, they were laying palm branches down. It was the fulfillment of the prophecies that they knew had read in Zechariah. And he was going to come in and rule and reign and kick, kick the Romans out and take back J- Jerusalem. Because he was the leader they were waiting on. No, 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 Jesus, what? Wait a minute. You, you're, you're, you're connecting yourself with the lamb from, from the Passover? They had seen him raise the dead. And he says, this is my blood offered for you. To redeem you. As he looked at his disciples, he's, uh, you know, I I, I know we've spent the last 1,400 years talking about the blood of that lamb that spared our people from judgment. But from now on, we're going to remember I'm the one that spared you from judgment. I'm the one that will save you. And so we have in Matthew 26, he took the cup, he gave thanks and he gave it to them. And he says, drink from it. Now, all of you drink from it. Every one of you drink from it. For this is my blood, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is shed for many. Do you know know who was included in that many? You were. This is the cup of the new covenant that's shed for the whole world. John later writes that God so loved the whole world that he sent his son, that his blood would be shed for many for the remissions of sins. And so as they have taken the third cup and they're still wrapping their minds around what's happening, there was another fourth cup and that's called the cup of praise. Now, they're probably silent now because they're waiting for the fourth cup. This last cup is the, the, the cup of, this last promise that, that we've read that I, I will take you out and make you my own people. I will take you as my own people. That's what they will remember. I will be your God and you will be my people. Now listen to me, that's marriage language. Remember if if those of us who are married, you said, I take you so and so as my wife. I take you such and such as my husband. This is marriage language. This promise in this cup is to remember God leading the Israelites out of Egypt all the way to Mount Sinai where he issued them a marriage certificate. He wrote the law, gave the Ten Commandments, established them as a family, and he married them to himself. That's what Mount Sinai was about. But from Egypt to Mount Sinai, there was protection. And this cup represents, this fourth cup represents protection. They left Egypt, remember, they, they go to the, to, to the Red Sea. And there's they're protected along the way. But what's very interesting is Jesus said this in verse 29, he says, I will not drink of this fruit of the vine or this cup from now on until the day when I drink it new with you in my Father's kingdom. Now this was, when you look at the original language, this wasn't that he drank it and then said, I won't drink again, he actually, with the, the, the original Greek language, he actually did not drink, the way this is, is worded, he did not drink that cup. He didn't drink this cup that represented God's protection. The disciples had to be like, Jesus, what, 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 do, you, what do you mean you won't drink? What are you talking about? Jesus, hang on, you need this fourth cup, Jesus. You, you, we need to rehearse how God protected us. We need to rehearse how, how, hey, protection is on, especially you, Jesus. We need to remember how on our way to Mount Sinai, we, we remember the uncrossable Red Sea and the 600 chariots of, of Pharaoh are coming, hot on our heels. And God protected us. And Jesus, you need this cup of protection because I, I, we've heard some rumors. The Pharisees are out to get you. They're out to trap you. They hate you. The religious leaders have been finding, trying to find a reason to accuse you and arrest you. Jesus, the Romans are out there. And there's rumors that they're somehow working together to get you. They want to kill you. Plus, Jesus... Jesus, you need this cup. You just just told us that somebody's, one of us is going to betray you. You need protection, Jesus. How are you ever going to rule if you don't have protection? And Jesus says, I will not drink until it's been made new. And we are in my Father's kingdom now. This fourth cup, really, it represents The return of Jesus. There's there's, there's, um, scriptures all throughout the Bible that Jesus is returning for his bride, which is the church. It is then he will drink that cup. It is then at the marriage supper of the lamb that he will drink again with you and me. This is what he's talking about. I'm not gonna drink of it until I get my bride. That's the church. So the disciples are trying to wrap their minds around it. What new, what do you mean new? New, new what? Until new the God's kingdom, what I, they're trying to say, Jesus, I, listen, wait, Jesus said, do this in remembrance of me. Okay, where's he going? Why, why do we have to remember you if you're going to be here with us next year? Like, I, why do we remember you if you're still going to be here? And what do you mean some of, one of us is going to betray you? What, what does that mean? And then, and then Jesus, understanding the plan of God from the Garden of Eden to which Satan would strike his heel, but he would crush his head What's he talking about? What does Jesus say? Uh-uh. Mm-mm. I won't drink of it, of God's protection, because Jesus, knowing I am the Lamb of God, I am the one who will take the punishment that brings you peace. I am the one who will bear the stripes on my back for your healing. I'm the one. I won't drink of the protection. I mean, this is the Lamb of God. This is the one who commands the winds and the waves with his voice, who lifts the broken, shameful head of the woman caught in adultery and and says, Where are your accusers now? I don't accuse you. Now go and sin no more. He can forgive sins. The one who mixed dirt and his own spit and made mud and put on the eyes of a blind man to give him sight, the one who looked at an unclean, culturally unaccepted woman and got close to her, who had been married more times than she could even remember. She'd been trying to feel loved. Maybe she thought another husband would do, another boyfriend, another another person to move in with. She's been trying to, if I just drink from the cup of another relationship. But Jesus said, if you will drink from the water that I give you, you will never thirst again. This is Jesus this night at Passover. This Jesus left the table without drinking the cup that represented protection and he stopped At the cup that represented the new covenant of his blood. Jesus was saying, listen, listen. All the covenants made from Abraham to Noah to Abraham to Moses to David. Every single one of them was pointing to this moment right now. All those covenants was pointing to exactly Genesis 3. I'm the key who I will be struck in the heel, I will be beaten, I will be, I will bleed. My flesh will be ripped. My blood will pour out. But I am the he who ultimately crush Satan's head and deliver the many, the world. And this new covenant of that third cup is to be sealed by my own blood and here's the beautiful thing, it will, be the only, it will be the last and final covenant between God and man to bridge the gap and the chasm and to restore everything that's been lost in the garden. I'm the one, I'm the lamb. Do this disciples in remembrance of me. You see, this meal, that you need to understand that the, the bitter, bitter herbs you are tasting from this meal is not about the bitterness of slavery in Egypt. It's about the bitterness of sin and how it felt. It's about remembering what I delivered you from. The bread is not just bread without yeast, but it's I am the bread, and I am the bread of life, and I am the bread from heaven. And that's why Jesus said, whoever eats of my flesh and drinks of my blood will live forever. Jesus says, remember this season. Remember what I have made available to you. And so when we look at these promises, when we see what Jesus made available, the question for us is, are we living it? Or have we stopped So for 1,400 years, the Jewish people had been honoring the Passover meal, which God commanded. They had observed it. And traditionally, when the meal is done, the Passover is over. But this night, for Jesus, Passover had just begun. Imagine, if you can just think with me for a moment, imagine every year at Passover, Passover. Jesus taking the meal, knowing his time had not yet come to go to the cross. His time had not yet, not yet come to be the lamb that they were remembering. But on this night, his time had come. Jesus knew this is the night that I'm to be the lamb. I'm to be the blood that's to be applied to your life. I'm I'm the one who's gonna redeem many. I'm the one that was sent for the whole world. For you this Easter season, Jesus says, I'm the one that paid every price for you so that you can live in these promises in your life, in your family. You can be saved, you can have a new mind, you can be healed and redeemed. And when I return, I can take you as my bride and we can drink this last cup together at the marriage supper of the Lamb. That's why it's called that. Easter season is to remember the life you could be living and has been made available. This was this moment, this night, Jesus stopped at the third cup. This was the night that he realized and he began to understand, even though he knew it up to this, but he knew this was the night. That the scripture that says Jesus was the Lamb that was slain before the foundations of the world. Oh, he's the He out of Genesis chapter 3. He's it. He's the reason. This night was connected back to just, just, just right outside of the Garden of Eden. When God looked at Satan and said, listen, listen. The seed of the woman. He's, there is one who's going to come. And he's, he's going to come. You're going to think you got him. He's gonna, you're going to strike his heel. But I'm just telling you right now, Satan. He's going to pop your skull underneath his foot. He, he, he's going to defeat you. This is the moment. This was the, Jesus was about this night to step into the intersection of the fullness of time. And this night was it. If you think back to Egypt, the, after the lamb was killed, the blood was placed on the doorpost of the home. The meal was eaten, it was to be eaten in, in Egypt while they're standing. And so they waited in Egypt, judgment coming. And the Bible says that those who did not have the blood on their on their home it says that cries in egypt exodus 1230 said there wasn't a house without someone dead judgment is 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 real please hear me today this was a glimpse what we see in egypt was a glimpse it was a shadow of the cost of sin in our lives, the cost of sin on the earth, it was just a, just, a, just a smidget, just a little bit of, of what it actually the real cost of it is. It's the shadow of what Satan wants to do in your life, what Satan wants to do in your families and your children, and your neighbors and our nation. And so Jesus, knowing that you and I, we need a substitute. We need a a, a perfect substitute for our sins. God provided through his son Jesus this night, the Lamb of God. God is saying, I want you to remember this Easter season, the need for the perfect sacrifice. Why? Why? Why do we need to remember perfect sacrifice? Because the perfect sacrifice reveals to us who we are. It reminds us of our own reality. That we are corrupted by sin. That we cannot save ourselves. That we are, we are flawed. That we are broken. That even, even in our salvation, our slave thinking is, has just corrupted our relationships and our sexuality and our, and, and our minds and our emotions and our bodies. We are corrupted by sin and... Think about it, on your best day, and your best actions, and your the best works, you are still imperfect. You are still blemished. You are still unworthy before a holy God. And God, out of his love for you, for me, sent his own son on our behalf. The punishment that brought us peace was upon him. This night, Jesus said yes to being that lamb, that substitute for you. This is what our Good Friday service is going to be all about, understanding what Jesus said yes to. He wants you to see this Easter season, his love for you, his commitment for you to understand the weight of your sin, to understand the wrath, the judgment that you deserve. But Jesus took what you deserved. He became the substitute. So this Easter season, friends, what what do you need? It's time that you remember what's been, what's been made available for you. It's time we stop playing religious, pretty games. It's, it's time we stop being just little Christians. For sermonettes, for Christianettes. And it's time that we say, I want everything that Jesus purchased for me on that cross. I want it all. I want it all. I'm I'm, I'm sick and tired of seeing the slavery in my home. I'm sick and tired of returning to what I've asked God to deliver me from. I'm sick and tired of my children struggling. Uh -uh, I want it all. I'm putting the blood of the Lamb of God on the doorposts of my home. There is no darkness in here, no judgment in here, no demonic power in here. This is what God wants for you. Listen, God's holy. And in the presence of sin, the only thing that can happen is judgment. It's, who, it's his nature, he can't change it. God's not angry at you, but his holiness must judge you. It was, remember, God's idea to send his son Jesus for you. It's not this mean old daddy God that's just trying to get you. No, 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 no. He sent his own son. It was his idea to send Jesus for you, to pay the price for you so that he can have you back in his life in a deep relationship so that you can walk in the promises that have been laid out from the beginning of time for your life. This is what Easter's about. I believe God wants you to prepare for Passover this year get ready get ready for Easter Jesus came to fulfill the promises of God that, made, that, that God made to his people to accomplish, it, to accomplish these four promises in your life you just need to receive them and walk in them ask God to give you the grace to receive them change the way we think God wants you to drink deeply of what he has paid for for you I want us to drink deeply from this cup. This cup of redemption is this cup that it redeems our brokenness. It redeems our pains. It redeems because of our, our, the corruption of sin. It, it heals our hearts. It heals the areas of, of our lives we've been abused. I know people have been abused here. You're joining a line. Know you've been abused. The redemption of Jesus is to heal you. It's to save you. It's to take the sin that was done against you and to redeem it so that we can live the life he wants us to live this is the cup of redemption the, the brokenness in our own lives that we have that have come out of our mouths the, the, sla- the, the mindset of slavery the things that husbands and wives have said over each other and you've, 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 you've stuck knives in each other and there's pain and there's hurt this is the Easter you allow the redemption of Jesus the blood of Jesus Christ to redeem your hurt your brokenness your pain you receive it drink deeply and be healed and live and walk in the life that God purchased for you by his own son from the beginning of time he saw you he wants to heal you he wants to redeem you it's available to you it's time. Allow God to work and move in our lives this Easter. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your goodness. Lord, today we acknowledge and desperately acknowledge we need this cup of redemption. God, thank you. You brought us out from underneath the burden of the Egyptians. And God, this Easter, God, I want to drink deeply from this idea that you set me apart for a purpose, for more. Jesus, this cup of deliverance that you have made available to me. I'm, I'm no longer a slave. I'm not going to think like one anymore. You're gonna heal my insecurities. You're gonna heal the the areas of my life that that keep hindering me from moving on and being the man and the woman of God you called me to be. Lord, I'm not gonna act like a slave anymore. I'm gonna receive deliverance. Lord, in this cup of redemption, God, I drink deeply of this cup. You drink deeply of it for me. You're going to redeem my past hurts, my past pain, my struggles, to take my current struggles, my weaknesses, and you're going to redeem them. So I can walk out your plan. So that we can walk out the plan that you've had for us before we were ever born. And Lord, this Easter, I'm going to wait in anticipation that you are gonna take me as your own people at your returning. Lord, today we commit this time that from this moment until Easter morning, we're gonna do some soul searching and we're gonna ask you to show us where we're not walking in those promises. And we are going to take a step this year to get a new mind maybe even to get saved for the first time, but to recommit our lives to you, but also then to get a new mind, stop thinking in the old patterns, and then to allow you to redeem the hurts and the pains of my past. The hurts and pains I've suffered from leaders and pastors and churches and other Christians and spouses and bosses and relatives who, abused me Lord I receive your redemption so I can walk free and be everything you've called me to be Lord we prepare our hearts for this Friday that you're going to move in a powerful way we thank you for your love for us we thank you for your word in Jesus name Just remain with your heads bowed if you're here today and you realize I don't know Jesus and you want to give your life to Jesus today and you want to be saved from the judgment. You want to be securely in the hands of Jesus. Nobody's looking around. Everyone's head is bowed. If you want that today, raise your hand right now. Raise it up before the Lord. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Just keep it up. Thank you. God bless you. Nobody's looking around. Thank you. God bless you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer. If you can put your hands down, that we're all going to pray, because we've all prayed it, and we're going to pray it with you. And stand next to you. If you, the Bible says if you pray this, if you say it and you believe it, you will be saved. Church, let's pray. Say, Lord Jesus, forgive me, cleanse my heart. I believe that you're the Lamb. I believe that you lived for me. I believe that you died for me, and I apply your blood to my life. I believe that you were buried, but three days later you were back alive. And today I give you my life. Thank you for loving me. Thank you for saving me. Cleanse my mind, redeem my past, and I look forward to the future. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let's give the Lord a hand today. Thank you, Jesus. If you gave your life to Jesus today, I just want to ask you to do me a huge favor. You can fill out a card and just check the box, give my life to Jesus and you can drop it in the white buckets when you leave. Also, you can drop in your prayer requests when you leave as well. We'd be honored to pray with you. Let's all stand to our feet. Second service, I tend to go a little longer, so I apologize on that one. You inspire me, that's all it is. But uh, I'd be honored to pray a blessing over your life. So if you could just raise your hands, if you'd like to receive a blessing from the Lord. Father, in the name of Jesus, I bless these precious people, your people that you died for. You shed your blood, Jesus, to redeem them and to make a way where there was no way. And God, today I pray that you would bless them in the name of Jesus, that God, your redemption, the cup of redemption would go deep into their lives, into their hearts, into their minds, into their marriages, into their workplaces, into their areas of their hearts and insecurities and brokenness and the things of the past would be redeemed And they would be made new today. And they would receive what you've made available to them. They are no longer what they were. They are who you say they are. They are redeemed. And So God, may they walk in that blessing. Bless their families. God, I pray right now for the generation of blessing to be on them. God, I thank you that their children's 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 children is infinity. We'll serve you, Lord Jesus, until you return. Lord, we bind the work of the enemy. That our kids and our young adults will be lights in the midst of darkness. And we ourselves will see God raise them up to be voices in the end times to bring forth a harvest that can only come through the proclamation of your gospel. So Lord, we thank you that our kids are going to see a revival and we are going to get to be a part of it. So God, I ask you now, you'd bless us, you'd provide for us, you would go before us and you would always remind us that you are closer than one sticks than a brother, that you are with us. And so God, bless them, encourage them today, protect them. In Jesus' name, amen and amen and amen.